welcome to Behind the Soundcheck, a podcast taking you backstage and behind the scenes with musicians and people from all around the music industry. I am Tiana Speeder, the host of Behind the Soundcheck, and here we are, it's November. The Christmas decorations have been out for weeks now, but hey, we've nearly collectively survived 2022. What a wild old time it's been this year. And most importantly, I am stoked to have you joining me today on this podcast. To round up last week's episode, I was of course joined by Mr. Colin Jeffs, aka the creative powerhouse and videographer extraordinaire behind a crazy amount of music videos you've probably seen kicking around at the moment. And if you listen to that episode, you would know he's also a very talented musician with his previous tenure in Aversions Crown, Tongues, Widow the Sea and others. And for good measure, Colin also films weddings, branded content and a heaps more. And in November, he's busting out two masterclasses in conjunction with Sony Australia to share his incredible insight into what it takes to make a kick-ass music video from start to finish. Chatting heavy music, behind-the-scenes mayhem and more, that episode is definitely a must-listen for anyone keen on music videos, music in general, and Colin's just an epic guy to boot, so catch that episode if you missed out. And on to today's episode, to a man who has spent decades on stage in front of the camera in the studio and a man who barely needs any introduction, but he's getting one anyway. Whether you adored him for his prolific turn as founder and frontman for Strapping Young Lad back in the day, or you're a fan of his extensive and continuing solo career, Devin Townsend is undeniably one of the most dynamic and fascinating artists of this generation. From his staggering vocal range, which spans over five octaves, to his genre-defining and genre-defying work in the more progressive metal waters, Devin Townsend is everything and everywhere at once creatively. A man who can pull off a pitch-perfect howl in a ballad mixed alongside folk, metal, rock and cinematic flourishes, all without breaking a sweat, it is little wonder why Devin Townsend himself is so beloved, or also why he has previously been described as being the Frank Zappa of metal. Devin's latest solo release, Lightwork, his brand new album dropping this week, follows on from his more recent work, Empath, Snuggles and The Puzzle. And once again, Devin has carved out another masterpiece, but it's also one that finds itself branching into moments of ambience and mellowed introspection. True to form, there are moments of heaviness and all that trademark tasty layered Devin production lying in wait, but overall Lightwork almost feels like you're stepping into Devin's own personal dreamland. And as today's episode reveals, that's not actually a coincidence with Devin actively using the album to both find himself as he is in his current personal and creative life, but also leaps outside of his own comfort zone. The light and shade of Devin Townsend has always been revered as much as his incomparable reputation of being one of the nicest men in the business. And entirely living up to this reputation and then some, the man himself joins me now to chat being uncomfortable, the function of artists, and Devin Townsend's unexpected experimentation bringing light work to life. Here we go. So I am here with the absolute creative alchemist that is Devin Townsend. Devin, it's amazing to chat to you today. Not only are we here at the end, we've all nearly survived 2022, but there is a light at the end of the tunnel, quite literally in the form of light work. Your brand new solo album, of course, imminently due out. A labor of love, but also a reflection of a lot of weirdness. Also everything mm-hmm. we know and love about you, but also some new sonic treasures for good measure. With for so sure. much that has happened in the lead up, can you share how you're feeling in this weird little suspended moment between completing the record and releasing it to the world? Yeah, that's a good question, actually. Yeah. Um, I feel good, but trepidatious only because the the life that I have tried to construct for myself for my sort of 
post pandemic, if you want to look at it, um, activities are, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, when you're reaching pretty far, God, what, mm. the word escapes me, right? Uh, ambitious. Yeah. Love it. And so I'm in a sense, I'm like nervous that it's not going to work because I want to keep doing what I do. And I've got so many creative ideas that I think would be really, really interesting. But to actualize them takes a lot of work and a lot of setup. And I also recognize that after this, as you and everybody else, we've all kind of changed in some way. And I think that um, I think that how those changes are going to uh, manifest in terms of my work ethic are also a bit nerve wracking because up to this point, I think I've uh, my addictive tendencies sort of migrated into work. So I just worked constantly, constantly, mm. constantly, just night and day, night and day, night and day. And over the course of the past year, at least, my desire to do that has all but vanished. Yeah. So how much of that uh, creative push that I had in the past decade or so was reliant on that? I don't know. Mm. So. I guess I would say that at this particular point, I feel like, man, I really hope this works. <laughs> Isn't it amazing? Like something that is essentially so ingrained. I mean, I don't want to put a fine point and say you're old and have been doing this for a long time, but you've oh, I'll say been it for part you. of your, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. but like, obviously it's something that you have been doing for such a long time. And I guess as someone in that you, I wouldn't ever say you're a comfortable artist in that you sit in the same thing and just let it kind of flow. But everything yeah. is inherently you like it's so yeah. inherently you no matter where you go like are you someone that you know by no fault of your own have to kind of just embrace you having that discomfort with it is it something you enjoy or do you like I'm personally like I'm a control <laughs> freak but um, from from your perspective like what do you enjoy in terms of creating I think there's 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 a distinction to be made between being a control freak and knowing what it's going to take for something to work mm. right I think that uh, my experiences with bands for me have been much less creatively satisfying than following the vision. And that's not because I necessarily feel like a control freak rather than I've got a strong vision. Yeah. So yeah. to not have control over a lot of those things means that ultimately I'm dissatisfied with it. But I also feel that am I an uncomfortable person? Yeah. But I don't know anybody that isn't. And I think a lot Absolutely. of times the people that try and tell me that they are are, are full of shit, right? Because yeah. it's like, you know, the whole wellness industry as well. It's it's this sort of this there's a whole monetized group of society that is trying to convince regular people like you and I that if we're not happy all the time, there's a fundamental problem that mm -hmm. can be solved with this app or this you know, book or whatever. And I just think it's, I think that a huge part of the, the identity of, of being a human being is the duality. And Absolutely. I think you can be at peace with that, but it comes with learning to accept your own nature. For me, having to sit with that and, and recognize that, yeah, I'm, I'm fundamentally not a, a, like a comfortable person. Yeah, but I think I have an option at at some level as to whether or not I'm going to accept that, and then just try and create within that parameter, or fight that and just make it worse. Mm. And I like to believe that I've chosen to accept that. So 
at some level, although uncomfortable, I think there's a lot of resolution there and I'm totally cool with that. Yeah. And that's what I really felt like. I feel like I'm going to have to do a checker of how many times I say resonating or immersive with this album, because it was just, I was so, I felt like I melted into it. Like I felt like I physically went into this album and (laughs) it just draws you into it. But what was really inspiring too, is that obviously it stemmed from not so great a time in our human history, but how you've managed to channel it in to such an, you know, incredible album that flows through and at its core, it's like, in a way, the thing that I came out of it, and I believe it's in your press material as well as music and collectively creating illuminates the dark, like during this uncharted territory, what did actually spur you to do it? Was it ultimately music that kept you going? Did anything else play a part in all of this? I didn't want to feel the way that I felt. Mm. And, and it's interesting, you know, the act of accepting the things that I have no control over is difficult for maybe folks like you and I who, who who have a need to control things, right? Yes. But again, the thing that I can control, and I realize this somewhere through this, like if as an artist, what you put out defines a period of, of your time, then choose to put something out that's going to define it in a way that you're going to be comfortable with, mm-hmm. as opposed to just saying, I have no control over my own reactions. I believe that's one thing that we do have control over. And I'm not saying that I have complete control over it. Clearly not. I mean, I'm unresolved in, in so many ways. But I started recognizing that at least at this juncture, with effort, I can make something that is less indicative of, you know, having to be in pain all the time. I'm like, you know what? We are in pain and we are suffering and there are people around me suffering. And, but I just, I don't want to, Yeah. <laughs> you know, and then it doesn't, you simply, you don't just simply say, I don't want to, and then it stops. Mm. But I think the process gets put into play by something that simple. Yeah. Of just, okay. So what about my current reality is causing me to suffer in ways that I can do something about? Not in an esoteric way, not in a new agey way, just like, okay, so I remember, okay, so I was in this situation where I was living in a place I was surrounded by just awful, awful people. And I remember calling my buddy up and I was like, I don't know what to do about this. And he said, well, have you talked to them? And I said, yeah. How'd it go? Well, they didn't listen. He says, well, you're going to have to get out of there then. And I'm like, I can't get out of here, dude. It's like such a big thing. And he says, well, then what the fuck are you talking to me about it for? <laughs> yes. Yes, that's it, right? It's like yeah. you suddenly realize, oh, it's I do have agency and I do have a choice here, but it yeah. doesn't always illuminate like that. And it's not easy. And yeah. I think that's the thing is it's like, and, you know, he's been such a good friend of mine for so many years that that I was as, it wasn't flippant, you know, he's, he's from New York. It's just, that's, that's the dude, right? Yeah. Well, I was like, wow, he's right. Yeah. It's like I either do something about it or you or I kind of forfeit my right to complain about it. If I know that the at least the beginning of a solution, if not a solution, is within my capacity. And I think a lot of that comes down to um for me, like years of of like bias too, and, and sort of a programming on my side where I'm like, oh, I'm either not capable or I'm not strong enough or I can't deal or whatever it is. It's like mm-hmm. these sort of things that you end up defining your trip by is, is what you tell yourself. It's like, Oh, I'm an idiot. Oh, I can't do that. Oh, I'm not strong enough. Oh, that's too frightening. 
so light work in a sense became a a way to practice that for me mm. it's like okay we'll change it change it and let's yeah. see what happens let's see what happens it might not work well and, I, uh, I mean i'm biased i'm going to tell you that it did work but that's fine that's just me um, being biased well, on it. and i know i will not be the only person that thinks that to be honest i'll tell you what the very last week that i was recording this i added something my friend's daughter echo she uh she sings all the you like you'll hear a kid singing throughout the record right that's yeah. that's 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 echo it's my friend's daughter oh. and at, at the very end i said can you ask and i said to the both i said would you mind just putting in the tail end three uh just say we won three times so at the very end the children of god you'll hear this voice go we won we won we won and there was a sense of at the very end throughout it all i remember thinking oh we got through this so whether or not it's like winning in a grand sense it's like oh you know there's prize or, or mm. but the fact that through that uh, experimentation in the sense of like i wonder if i am strong enough i wonder if i am capable enough i wonder if if it is as basic as your options are either you do or you don't yeah by doing what happens and i was taken back by it you know it's mm. it's one of these things that like as a as an album as a as a sentiment it's just i mean i don't know i mean i don't know i just write yeah. but as an analogy for a period of time that forced me out of my comfort zone uh yeah it was a success for me yeah. And it's that whole thing, I guess, of not a self-fulfilling prophecy in that it's like that concrete that you say it and it happens, but it is kind of that shift. You do notice the shift and whether or not you believe in the laws of attraction or positivity, all of that. But I do notice yeah. if I dwell and I revel and all of that, I notice the darker stuff and I notice that. And that's not a bad thing either because you do need to balance it out. But yeah, I just, I emerged from this album, just like feeling like, obviously there's your own personal stuff coming into it, but you just feel quite seen by it and everyone's going to take something different out of it. And I think that's a really incredible thing. And to still have that coming through, through such a dark time. So, you know, the, the, the moniker itself is perfect for it because it will be a massive well, light you. for us. <laughs> well, me too. And I, I, I'm, I'm very, uh, you know, I'm very thankful for the experience because my connection to the music is, is similar to, to the audiences. It's like, I don't know what is going to come out. I don't know how it's going to come out. I just kind of mm -hmm. follow it. And and I think artists are antennas in a lot of ways, and that's all there is to it. I don't know if it goes much further than that. That's why sometimes I, I take umbrage with artists claiming it, you know, like, oh, this is my music. Yeah. It's like, it's just music, right? It exists. It's part of a collective unconscious. And I think mm -hmm. that the laws of attraction and all those things play into a type of system that i find to be not abhorrent but it seems like anytime anytime it comes down to that that scene of of wellness it, it seems to be like any scene it's like encumbered by lots of charlatans right and i yes. think that if you look at it as as opposed to like a book like the law of attraction and it's a secret that you know i think it's instead of thinking of it like that it's like if I think about all the negative things and that's what my mind is full of, that's mm. it. And if I don't, then it's full of the other things. And if it's full of the other things, the decisions that I make are informed by that more so than, than the other things. And, and it takes in my experience thus far, like a type of strength that I was unfamiliar with 
to keep focused on it. Because mm. it's so easy, like the patterns and what we're fed through social media and all this makes it so that it's like, it's profitable for us to, to not view those things. It's profitable for us to just always be afraid, right? Because mm. what fills a void for Western society is just buying loads of shit, right? Yep. And, and things that you absolutely have lived without your entire life and will continue to be able to do so. But yet here it is the, the one thing that is apparently going to fix everything until the next thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I'm guilty of it too. It's still oh, me It's part of my trip, right? It's That's part of my... It programming it's like someone sent me a new guitar the other day and i was like oh well i'm good now you know yeah that's it that was all i needed that was the key <laughs> and it went away but so i i think what's important for me to say about this record as opposed to it being like an unequivocal statement like it was more about trying to incorporate things into my own fearful mindset and to see if it would work mm. and this is why when you said, well, how do you feel in this kind of purgatory between the release of the record and what happens next? And I say, I don't know how I feel. I'm trepidatious. It's because, you know, since it's an experiment and one that I have felt afraid to do in the past, because I thought all these things that you tell yourself, oh, I'm not capable enough. I'm not strong enough. I'm not worthy of not feeling constantly in fear and, and, and paranoid and, and all these things. Right. And, you know, it seemed as good a time to, as any to experiment with that. So yeah. here's that. Well, and you are a, no a notorious musical chameleon for lack of a better word. Like you've never stagnated, you know, as I touched on before, but we still know it's you, like you've still got that amazing thread. And for this one too, I really enjoyed how it was phrased that you brought on a producer for this album and I read it as being an experiment as well, which I love. Like, how did you go adapting to that? Was it, some, I know obviously Mr. Richardson is a friend, but yeah, was it yeah. like, is it something you think you'll continue on in, in future <laughs> endeavors? <laughs> It's a little early to tell. I think mm -hmm. uh, we both got a little, a little shook by the experience, to be yes, fair. fair. <laughs> you know, unstoppable fair. force and immovable object, right? Mm. But, but I asked for that as part of this. And whether or not that's just your subconscious trying to direct you, um, I don't know. But, um, but it may be. But all I know is it seemed appropriate. It's like, here we are, we live in, we both live in Vancouver, we've known each other for a long time, we're in this position where we can't travel, like, maybe this is an appropriate time to try this. Yeah. And did it push me out of my comfort zone? Fuck yeah. But <laughs> did, it, did it make me realize that there's certain things that um, I disagreed with that I needed to regain control over mm -hmm. that was upsetting for both of us? Absolutely. <laughs> Does that mean I was right and he was wrong? Nope. It just means that at this state of where I'm at, at this particular point of my creative development, in order for me to be satisfied enough for this, for me to promote it even, requires certain things that I, I needed. And that yeah. was it. But that process of conflict on some level, uh, there are certain things that we both compromised on, but there are mm -hmm. certain things that I, I, I couldn't, you know, I'm like, I recognize that that's my limit and that's at, at which point I needed to like really make peace with it. And that was not easy because there was a certain point where the record was going in a direction that although potentially more commercially viable, 
uh, I was just not comfortable with. And it didn't say to me what the period was saying to me. It was like this smorgasbord of things that although I participated in, and although it's, it had a trajectory, it, it wasn't personal. So at that point, I needed to reclaim certain degrees of control over it. Because in absence of that, I'm not going to care about it. Mm. And that was a hard discussion to have uh, with a producer. And one that rocked us both pretty hard, I have to say. (laughs) (laughs) But when you think about what did you learn from this experience, I think that it's one thing to be labeled a control freak. And then all the things that people can put onto that, like maybe you said about yourself, maybe you have friends that say, you're a control freak and the reason is this, you're afraid to let go or whatever. And it's another thing to say, hang on, maybe that's not it. Maybe my need for control over certain aspects of this, not all of it, is based on something that I just really find to be important to my process. And the distinction, though slight, is I found to be super important and worth Mm -hmm. fighting for. Yeah, it's actually a really, I'm going to take a leaf out of that and pivot it to something that's, you know, unless I need to really check myself when I'm becoming a bit of a chore. So I'll need to, I'll, I'll yeah. keep tabs on that, but I do agree. And especially yeah. in creative stuff, like, and it is your artistic vision. And I mean, I don't love that there was conflict, but how incredible to come out with so much tranquility on an album. Like, even though there was all that stuff going on behind the scenes, like what an incredible end result. Well, that was, thank you. And that was the, that was the work. It wasn't the writing, it wasn't the execution of it, it wasn't the performance of it. It was maintaining that balance to some degree during a period that was anything but. And um, and I think that's even why I felt like at the end, I was like, oh, we won. Okay, great. Yeah. yeah. Not I won, but we won. So yeah. it was, uh, <laughs> it's crazy. But yeah. I mean... Anytime I've been doing interviews with people, uh, I also try to be clear that I'm not saying that my my moment during the pandemic was like an extraordinary one. Everybody went through crazy shit. All of us did. And all our individual experiences with it are unique. But I think that maybe the thread is that of a comfort zone being pushed, mm-hmm. right? Like all the things that I had maybe taken for granted that provided me some degree of, of balance (laughs) in absence of those. How are you? And I was like, wow, there's some moments when the answer to that was like, not good. (laughs) Yeah. All of a sudden you see these things that you're like, you probably knew underneath it, that they were there, but you're like, they're right in front of me now. And I cannot get away from them. (laughs) And in a sense, I'm really grateful for being able to, or being having that thrust upon me because if the if the objective is to progress, you're going to progress quicker if you see yourself as you are, as opposed to making assumptions and then working from the point of view of like, oh, I'm clearly that type of person. It's like, no, you're not, you know. Yeah. And no one is one fixed thing at any point in time. And thank goodness for that. And the same goes for music. So I know that you have literally tipped your heart to so many genres over the years no doubt there will be more to come from you you just continue to surprise and amaze with everything but in the short term it's been amazing to chat and go behind light work with you a massive congratulations i know we always will 
very much love to entice you here to Australia to celebrate it when you can, but you know, I know it's a long plane ride. So whenever we can get you here, we will certainly enjoy it, but a huge congrats on the album. It's truly Thank sublime. You so Thank you so much, my friend. I'm, I'm there in November of next year. Excellent. Well, I'm like, 23 is my favorite number. So I feel like this has just made it even more perfect for me. <laughs> Why is 23 your favorite? So I was born on the 23rd and don't laugh at me. I'm, I was born in the nineties and I still love the Chicago Bulls. So it's Michael Jordan's number. So that's, you know, it's as simple <laughs> as that. It's as basic as that. <laughs> Wait, what year were you born? You got to tell me. I was born in 1986 and everywhere I go, there's just 23s <laughs> everywhere. So the fact that you're oh. coming in 2023, bring it on. This is just I'm, enticing. I'm down. <laughs> no, I was just thinking because I graduated in 90. It's like crazy to think, right? And in fact, I've got a, I've got a class reunion on Friday and it seems oh so weird. It's so weird, man. It's, so I weird. went I went to my first one and weirdly enough, it was 19 years, but they'd just let anyone come and I just moved back home and I just felt like I stepped back in. I don't know what happened. Like it just, it the good? whole world. Was it a good experience? It was good. I saw like a teacher who taught me when I was 12 and you just, and nothing had changed but then with other people you're just like oh well I'm not that person that I was when I was with you it's really interesting to have that dynamic yeah. but it was good for me I was terrified and then I did it and I was like oh I'm fine what was I worried about yeah I think that's probably what will happen to me too yeah. I don't I don't look forward to it like oh this is gonna be great I'm just like oh it's like super weird but yeah but then you go and you're like oh yeah like, you got this yeah, yeah. All right. <laughs> I love it well, I will stop mine there, Devin. Thank you. So welcome, Tiana. Thank you. Well, that brings us to the end of another episode of Behind the Soundcheck. A giant thank you to Devin Townsend, of course, for spending the time. And if you stick around to the end of this outro, you can also catch a little bonus moment of Devin and myself chatting about our respective pop vinyl collection. And spoiler alert, if you've seen Mad Max Fury Road, I'm sure you can guess which one Devin owns. But for now, Devon's new album, Whitework, is officially out this Friday, the 4th of November, and the album will also be accompanied by a companion bonus disc called Nightwork, which Devon has publicly stated also contains some of his own personal favourite moments. Check them both out. This is definitely an experience, as all of Devon's music is, so be sure to ooze into Lightwork this Friday. Now, today brings us up to episode eight of season two of Behind the Soundcheck, but this is not the only episode that will be out this week. There's actually going to be another brand new episode dropping this Friday, the 4th of November, before the final episode of season two drops next week. Two for the price of one this week. What a time to be alive. But if you are liking what you're hearing, I would love to hang out with you again this Friday. And we will be coming a bit closer to home with the insanely lovely Ben Stewart from Slowly Slowly, joining me to chat about their new album, Daisy Chain, and a bunch of other fun things. As always, Behind the Soundcheck's theme song is courtesy of Brisbane legends Osaka Punch. The track you are listening to right now underneath me talking away is called Hall of Shame. And you can check out more Osaka Punch goodness over at osakapunchofficial.com. Well, that is it from me for today. Thank you for joining me. And why not? Let's hang out again in a few short days for the second last episode of season two of Behind the Soundcheck. And as a little extra bonus, if you stick around to the end of this episode, just after me talking here, you'll catch me and Devin Townsend chatting about our pop vinyls as a little bit of extra Devin goodness for you. But for now, I will catch you next time in the next episode of Behind the Soundcheck. So what are the pop, what are those pop things behind you there?
Pearl Jam up the top, and then I've got four different versions of Ghost. So I've got each. Um, <laughs> so each oh, that, I didn't know they made those. That's amazing. I keep, people keep giving me them as presents, and I'm like, apparently that's just my thing now. Like, you know what? I figure it's like it's like roll with it. I think I have one too. I someone gave me the um, the guy from that. Uh, uh fury road the guy that everybody oh. thought was me the the dude playing the guitar right oh my god i love this so much yeah so uh, that's the one that i got somebody gave me that and so he's he's up in, in the garage oh just tell people yeah. it was you just be like yeah it was me people thought it was like people were and and i was and uh, <laughs> it took me a while to see the movie i'm not a big movie fan but i actually really liked that movie i thought it was a lot of fun and uh, i was gonna say how did you feel about that comparison <laughs> I actually agreed. I was like, yeah, fucking look at me. I, like, yeah. <laughs> I love that. 